0: Hey, good morning to all of you. If you feel like you've been in church already, say amen. amen. If you want me to preach, say amen. amen. If you want me to preach quickly, you got to say amen all the way through the message. All right. Hey, before I get started, I want to encourage all of our ladies. If you haven't registered yet to attend our Fresh Grounded Faith Conference this coming Friday and Saturday, if you're watching online, you need to get registered as well. Um, I believe they're having someone, a well-known author, uh, world-renowned really, uh, Jennifer Rothschild, and there'll be some others that will be here speaking. And I was thinking about that this week, and I thought about how some of you just desperately need to be strengthened and nourished in your souls. For what some of you are going through, what all of us have been through, just a time to come and refresh, um, in fact, I want to give, uh, give away some tickets today. Is that all right? Um, give away, I, I'm going to give away four tickets right now. I'm going to give away two online. So let me do that first. So if you're watching online, here's what I want you to do. Uh, the first two ladies that uh, post online, you just post on their fresh grounded faith, and the tickets are yours. Fresh Grounded Faith, the tickets are yours. We'll contact you tomorrow, and uh, we'll let you know who our winners are, but uh, go ahead and do that. And if you're in-house, then what I wanna do is, I'm gonna give uh, two in-house today. I was gonna do this to, uh, uh, if you have not registered uh, yet, then as soon as the service is over, I mean, like, as soon as it's over. Now, if there are people praying today, don't knock them over. But the first two that come down and tell my wife, sitting right down here on the front row, you just come up to her and say, fresh ground in faith, and give her a thumbs up. And then you'll get, you'll get two tickets uh, as well. So uh, just want to encourage you to be a part of that. And could all of us pray for our ladies this weekend? Pray that God's anointing would be here in this place, that their hearts and lives would be touched in a, in a powerful way. Well, we are in our uh, we're in our series that we started uh, a few weeks ago called Heroes of Faith, and what we've been doing is we've been learning from some of the heroes uh, throughout the Bible, what they might want to say to us. And it's based on this passage of scripture in Hebrews chapter 12, verse one, which is really an encouragement to all of us, especially uh, the closer we get to taking our last breath here, because here's what it says. Therefore, we are surrounded by this great host, this cloud of witnesses And so it says, let go of things that are kind of distracting you. Things throw off everything that hinders you from that race. Sin that can so easily pull us down, weight us down and run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us because we're all in this race. The race is not the race of this life. The race is a race that will get us to our eternal life. And scripture tells us there is a host of loved ones people that are praying for you, people that are cheering you on as you make this race. Now, today's gonna be a little different. I read an article uh, this past week on the explosion of depression among people. It's reported that we've lost about 200,000 people during COVID-19, but it is also reported they're guesstimating between 75 and 100,000 people have committed suicide this year. And as I was reading the article, here's, here's one of the things it said. Suicide is becoming a more pressing concern than the pandemic with longer term effects on the general population, the economy, and vulnerable groups. Now, I'll just go on record this morning to say, I'm not a specialist in this area. I'm not a doctor, I'm not a counselor um, per se, uh, licensed. I'll say it that way, I do a lot of counseling, but I'm not a licensed clinical psychologist. I'm a pastor. And while I am so thankful for people who bring so much help to lots of people in these areas, whether it's in the medical field, whether it's in uh, counseling or, or, or whatnot, um, though I am not in that field, I am a pastor and I can lead you to a loving heavenly father who can bring healing into your life. Yeah. And what is so sad about what I'm gonna talk about this morning from one of the heroes of the faith that's gonna teach us today, is when we begin to talk about this, is this stigma that seems to be attached to this. Now, some of you have heart issues and you take blood pressure meds and no one thinks anything about that, that is praised. You have diabetes and because you're diabetes, you take insulin because your body's not making um, the right chemicals in your body. So you take insulin and we think that's normal. But if a person has emotional or mental issues, sometimes due to physiological issues in their life, we somehow think that's weird. Why? I mean, that, that what I wanna say this morning is that thinking has to be removed in Jesus' name. Your illness, your illness whether it's physical or mental is not your identity. And as a body of Christ, as we gather together, we do not think less of someone with mental illness, not here, not now, not ever. We are a place that offers hope in Christ. Now, sociologists are discovering several things that lead to depression, and there are, there are physiological things I'm not really gonna address today, but I am very well aware of them. But there are some things that they say have in recent days led to more depression. One of which is they say social media. I agree. A constant measuring of ourselves against uh, all the others that we see or a constant barrage of negativity that is fed into our minds every day. It is depressing. And then we've got this whole um, unhealthy behavior that a lot of us have, where we're like looking at other people's posts and we're like, well, they got more likes than I got and they got that and their life is better and my life is awful. Here's another one they said, cell phones. The constant looking down, staying down, It disengages us from other people, disengages us from conversations at tables. Just go to your restaurant today and leave your phone in the car first, and then go in and while you are sitting there eating, look around and see at how many people are doing this and not doing this. And they say, because of that, and because now of cell phones, and we have this 24 seven availability of all this stuff, we become more and more disengaged from people. Another one they said was social stalking and attacks. I mean, um, our kids are dehumanized every day. All of us often feel worse after we read through stuff than we did before because of social media. I watched this, uh, I say this to great shame. I watched uh, this past week and I've done it several times. And finally, I have disengaged from pastor groups, some even in our own denomination and someone will post something. And the next thing you know, it turns into this battle of berating one another and just pure evil as far as I'm concerned. I mean, people just constantly tearing each other down. By the way, be careful what you post. Some of you don't have this in your Bible, so I thought I would throw it up for you today. Ephesians 429, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, I'll just paraphrase it, or through your fingers but only what is helpful for building other people up. How many of you know you don't have to post everything you think? (laughs) A good rule of thumb, you're like really fired up about something, wait 24 hours. Give the heat time to cool down. What if we just lived like this? And then the last one that I'm just gonna share, there's, there's so many others, but... COVID 19, and that's like a well duh. I mean, this this one alone has exacerbated these issues and tripled, they say it has tripled depression and suicide rates this year. And the way so many people deal with all this stuff is they seriously consider, and some do, take their own lives. Did you know that one million people last year took their lives by way of suicide? I don't recall hearing anything on the news about it. 50,000 in the USA, and they're predicting that will be two to three times that amount just this year. And I think about this, and I think it is crucial that we talk about some of this stuff in the church. I think it's crucial that our kids know about this. And I think it's crucial that you know about this. And I think it's crucial that we get stuff out and not feel... Uh, Badly about it or hold back because of what somebody might think and how we as a church ought to be more loving and kind and compassionate. Yeah. Because here's the deal. Suicide is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. See, our emotions often come crashing in like the waves, but what we don't realize is just as they have come crashing in, they will also recede and go back out if we give it time. You, you, don't, you don't have to die to end your pain. There is hope. Paul said in 2 Corinthians, we do not want you to be uninformed brothers and sisters about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, watch this, far beyond our ability to endure so that we despaired of life itself. Listen, we we all face troubles, and until we bring those troubles out into the open into a safe environment and talk about those and get those out, we will never find healing. So that brings us to our series that we're in because today we're gonna look at a guy named Elijah. And what is interesting about Elijah is that Elijah has, in 1 Kings chapter 18, he has one of the greatest victories, I think, in all of the Bible. He's up against 400 prophets of Baal. These were very evil prophets. They are under the direction of King Ahab, and we have talked a couple months ago about King Ahab and his wife Jezebel, too wicked. I mean, as wicked as Ahab was, multiply that many times and you'll find Jezebel. So Elijah says, okay, here's what we're gonna do. We're kind of have like a face-off of the gods, if you will, and we're gonna build, we're gonna build an altar, and we're gonna put a sacrifice on it, and then all the prophets of Baal, you gather around that, you pray, and you pray to your God, and then I'll pray to mine, and we'll see which God consumes the sacrifice with fire. So he lets the prophets of Baal go first. And you know the story. They, they started crying out to their God. They cried all morning. They cried all afternoon. Nothing happened. They're just crying out, nothing. So when they're done, Elijah said, now pour water on the sacrifice. Because it's been sitting in that hot sun all day. And I want to make sure that there is no doubt who, who takes control of this fire and consumes this sacrifice. And so they pour water until water is just pouring off of it and trenches all around it. And then Elijah cries out to God in a very simple prayer. And you know the story, fire of God came and consumed the sacrifice, lapped up all of the water. Then all the prophets, all of the evil of that day, all of the evil prophets were destroyed. They were killed, it was a huge victory. Now stay with me, that's chapter 18. The greatest victory, I think, in all of the Bible other than what Christ did on the cross. And then we come to the very next chapter and there it tells us, now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, how he had killed all the prophets with a sword. So Jezebel, remember she was a controller. So she sends a messenger to Elijah that says, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely if by this time tomorrow, I do not make your life like one of them. So after the greatest victory that anyone has ever experienced, he lets one woman's threat scare him to death. And what we will find next is we will find this prophet Elijah in a state of depression wishing he could die because Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. And when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. He, he got alone. He pushed himself away from people. He said, I just, I just wanna get away. I need to be alone. Leave me alone. It was the worst thing he could have done for what he needed, the encouragement he needed. And it says, while he himself went a day's journey, so he's pushing away as far as he can, in the wilderness, he came to a broom bush and he sat down under it and prayed that he might die, I'm done, I can't do it anymore, take my life, I just want to die, I am no better than my ancestors. And I believe I'm preaching to somebody today that a lot of times this is how you have felt. This is where you have found yourself. And Elijah would say to us today, I think he would say three or four things to us today. The first one would be this. I think Elijah would say, be careful what it is that you think about. Because when you have pain and negativity in your life and you just play that over and over and over again in your life and you allow that faulty thinking into your life, it will grow and it will grow until you are a defeated person. The proverb writer said it this way, as a man thinks, so is he. You gotta be careful what you allow to go into your mind. Now, I'm just gonna be, um, I'm just gonna be a little vulnerable with you today in a couple areas. The first one is this. This happened to me a year ago today. I was thinking this morning, I can't believe it was to the day that I'm preaching about this. This happened to me a year ago today. We had a video call from this little church just north of Indianapolis. And after that call, I went in to not a major depression, but I went into a season of depression because I started playing into my mind all of the negative things I perceived could happen or would happen if we left where we were. And I just let that play over and over in my mind. And this went on for a few weeks, many sleepless nights. And I still remember the Saturday night that I went to bed early as I do every Saturday night and could not sleep until finally I just got up out of bed about 11 or so and I went out into a chair with Bible in hand and, and I just spent time in prayer and wrestling with God. And um, the next thing I knew, it was 5 a.m. And I remember coming to a place what the old timers used to call praying through. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? That meant you prayed and you prayed and you wrestled and you prayed until you felt like you had gotten through to heaven and got an answer. And I just prayed until I prayed through. And then I remember in that moment, in my spirit saying yes to God, whatever you want, yes. And here's the deal. I'm looking a year ahead now. None of the things that I worried about that entire time, not a one of them ever happened. <laughs> Be careful what you think on. Your thoughts can destroy you and pull you down. As a man thinks, so is he. That's why, that's why Paul tells us, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true whatever's noble, what's right, what's pure, what's lovely, whatever is admirable. So he's giving you things to think on. And he says, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about those things. And when you do, God's peace will just flood your heart. It will just wash over you. I'm just telling you, you have to reverse the thinking. You have to get rid of stinking Thinking The devil has been lying to some of you and you need to stop that thinking and stop believing what he is saying. And if you do, it says that the God of peace will come over you. It really will, it did for me. Second thing I think Elijah would say to us is don't do life alone. Elijah isolated himself from others and it depressed him. And I'll just say this, as you hear me say often, that's why you need to be in a group, and we'll get better at this uh, down the road here. Um, But if you want to die emotionally, come on, I'm talking to somebody today, this is exactly where you're living. If you wanna die emotionally, you just stay isolated. You just keep feeling sorry for yourself, you stay away from people, you push away. But if you want help out of discouragement, if you want help out of depression, Don't do life alone. Do it with some other people. Get around some other people. You need to be around believers with whom you can be comfortable and open and pray together and watch God bring healing to your emotions. Listen, the purpose of your group or the purpose of your class is not, come on, I'm going to really make some of you upset today, especially your teachers that really worked hard on this. The purpose of you going to that class is not so much about what you're gonna learn out of it. <laughs> oh, I already made some of you upset. <laughs> it's not about what you're gonna study or what you're gonna learn, that is secondary. The purpose is to connect you with people that you would begin to get comfortable enough with that you can take off the mask, come on, take off the mask, and share life together and find healing through Christ together and find his peace resting upon your life that pulls you out of discouragement and depression. Ecclesiastes says, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. This describes some of you. But two, two can stand back to back and conquer. Two can say one can like stand, like I'm looking this way and I can see what's out here, but I can't see what's behind me. But I got brother Nick down here. He's standing behind me. He's looking that way. He's like, I got you covered, Pastor Tim. I got your back. Come on. Two stand better. They conquer. Now, how much better? Then it says three are even better. For a triple-braided cord is not easily broken. So it's like, I got, it's like somebody's standing, I'm standing here looking at, and somebody's like, hey, I got this side of you. I got the west side. Somebody's like, I got the south side. I got the east side. We are better together. And some of you are doing life alone and you're living in depression and defeat and discouragement. And God does not want you there. And he wants to flood your heart with peace and lift you out of that mess. But you need to get into you need to get into life with somebody else and a group and people that will help you and pour life into you. I think the other thing Elijah would say is don't compare yourself to others. Now, I'm not gonna preach there to day. Not every one of you deal with this, but there are many of you that do. Many of you lose control of your emotions because you spend so much time Comparing your life to the life of others. I'm not making this up. In the first church Vicki and I were ever in, about a month after we were married, we found there was one lady every Sunday night. That was back when they had, remember the olden days when they had church on Sunday night? And um, remember after church, they used to invite pe- people, would invite people over to their homes for like a snack or something, right? And um She decided to do life alone so then every Sunday night she would drive around town and look at people's house in the church and see who didn't invite her over. You can't make this stuff up. One day I'm writing a book and that'll be a chapter. You can't make this stuff up. First Kings, Elijah said, take my life. Take it, just take my life. I am no better than my." Ancestry starts comparing himself to those that have gone before him. And one of the downfalls of social media is it gives us a 24-7 platform for comparing our lives with everybody else's lives. And some of you get on every day and you don't post a whole lot, but you're watching and you're seeing all everybody else's wonderful life and you're comparing yourself to everybody else. And I just wanna give you some spiritual advice this morning. Stop it. You are comparing the worst moments in your life with like their highlight reel or their top 10 list, right? People don't get on, nobody gets on Facebook and posts a picture of their house that's in like a complete mess. Like 90% of the time, this is what it looks. No, they just cleaned it up that one time a year and they took a picture and it looks like something out of a magazine. That's probably the only day it looked like that. And they're putting that on there and you're seeing that. Um, or they're, you know, nobody gets on and shows like a picture of a pie they just baked and it was a total flop and they're taking a picture and posting. No, they're showing their very best. They're posting the very best and we view that stuff in light of our worst stuff. And it's depressing. Do I need to open the altars right now and somebody come and pray? And what depresses so many of you and defeats you emotionally Spiritually and even physically, I think, is that you spend so much time trying to impress and please other people. But here's what I wanna tell you if you wanna get out of your discouragement. You only have one person you need to impress, and his name is Jesus. <laughs> Paul said, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings? I mean, is that what my life's gonna be about? Um, or am I, gonna, am I gonna try to please God? Or, or am I trying to please people? And if I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Paul said, I can't be a people pleaser. I can't be a people pleaser and then serve God at the same time and be one that is filled with his joy, love, and peace. Stop trying to please other people and stop comparing your life to other people. And let me give you the last one. Elijah would say to us, Take care of yourself first. Take care of yourself first. Any of you have ever ridden on a plane, which I did uh, for so many years when I was consulting just every week on a plane, one of the things they say on every flight that I have ever been on is they will say, in case of emergency, an oxygen mask will fall from the sky, right? And then they will say this phrase. If you have children with you, put your mask on first and then assist your children. Is that right? I was on a flight one time, it was a Southwest flight because they were famous for doing this. And they said, if you have more than one child, choose the one child first that has the most earning potential. So it was like, you know. <laughs> now, why are they saying put your mask on first? Because a passed out parent on the floor is of no value to their child. Take care of yourself first. Look what, look what happened here. Elijah says, then he lay down under the bush. He fell asleep. And all at once, an angel touched him and said, get up, get up and go eat. And he looked around and there was by his head, some homemade baked bread, hot over the coals. Come on, you smelling it right now? With a pound of butter on the side, or if you're like where I was yesterday, they had muscadine jelly out, right? And he ate, and he drank, and then he lay down again. Come on, this is some. This is probably the most spiritual thing some of you are gonna get, gonna get out of today. He took a nap. He ate him some food. He took him another nap. <laughs> Come on, can I get an amen this morning? Some of you are so physically exhausted that you are about, oh yeah, you won't clap for anything else, but for a hot piece of bread, you'll clap, yeah, and a nap. (laughs) Some of you with life are so busy, you are wearing yourself out and you are about to die. Sabbath is a concept that we have pretty much lost in our generation. Sabbath is not coming to church on Sunday for an hour or going to a class for an hour and then going home and doing whatever. Sabbath Sabbath is about an entire day of pulling away and refreshing yourself in order that you would guard your heart and your mind and your spirit, your soul. Now, when I was growing up, they had the Sabbath a little confused, so it was basically you could never do anything fun on the Sabbath, right? Like we would we would go home and eat the roast beef, mashed potatoes, carrots, and green beans and rolls. Come on, right, am I, tell, am I saying it right? We'd go home and eat that and then everybody in our house had to lay down and take a nap. And I hated it as a kid. And then my mom would catch us like playing a game and she'd be like, no, 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 no. You can't do that, that's fun. <laughs> and uh, so there was a little bit of confusion on it when I was growing up. but. They had the idea that Sabbath was about a refreshing of yourself, a pulling away of the normalcy of life in order that you can take a day and pull away to refresh your heart and your mind and your soul. Some of you, for example, you love to get outside and and get in the dirt and do stuff and whatever, and that refreshes you. That's okay. I got to tell you, for me, I would destroy my Sabbath if I did that. Sabbath, Sabbath is about pulling away to refresh. And the most spiritual, come on, this is, what, this is worth coming to church for, what I'm getting ready to tell you. Some of the, maybe the most spiritual thing you could do this afternoon is to go home and take a nap. By the looks of it, some of you already got a head start on that. <laughs> Vicky and I do this pretty much every Sunday, unless there's something out of the ordinary, you know, company or whatever. We go home. Um, we'll either go out to eat or we'll go home and eat. And uh, this is pretty much our routine every Sunday. Um, I will usually read some, and then I will lay down in a dark room and try my best to find a place of rest called sleep. Vicky will go into our bedroom and she will turn on a Hallmark movie and she will never see one word of that movie. She is gone. She's just, she's out like a light. Sabbath is about a moment of ceasing from our labors in order that we could find rest and a refreshing. So let me just give you real quickly, and I mean quickly because I'm about done, four things that I think Elijah shows us how to get out of defeat, how to get out of depression, how to get out of discouragement, how to find a rest for our souls and rest for our minds. Because there are some of you that are here today and you feel like life doesn't matter much. There are some of you watching online right now and the truth is you feel like your family would be better off if you weren't around. And I'm just here to tell you today on the authority of God's word, that is a lie from hell itself. So here's what Elijah would say. First thing he'd say is get some rest, get rest. So many of you are an emotional wreck and it's because you are physically a wreck because you're not getting the rest you need because you were doing too much and you need to take care of yourself physically and emotionally first. You just need to do that. You need to go home today and take a nap. All the problems will be there when you wake up. They won't go anywhere, they'll be there. Just take a nap. Second is be honest before God. I mean, tell God how you feel. You're angry, tell God you're angry. You're depressed, tell him you're depressed. You're you're scared, tell him you're scared. If you're lonely, tell him you're lonely. Listen intimacy is always found in honesty and you will find that in those moments God himself will draw very very close to you here's one that I learned and it was hard to worship God in spite of how I feel why (laughs) because scripture tells us that God releases his power when we worship him there's a guy, a king. Uh, I don't have time to tell you the whole story, but there's a king Jehoshaphat, and um, in 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 Kings, and you can read about the story. and And he was attacked by three enemies, and there was really humanly, you look down, it'd be like, it'd be like a thousand to one odds against him. He was going to be defeated and destroyed. And Scripture tells us one of the first things he did was he called the people together and he said, "We are going to worship and pray to God." And then, you know, if you know the story, you saw how God supernaturally came and the enemy that was so overwhelming ended up destroying each other. And to do this, you have to shut the world out. You have to make room for God in your life every day. Sometimes people say, why do you get up at four o'clock in the morning or 4.30 in the morning or whatever? Why do you do that? Well, there's other reasons why we started it, but the reality is now we find it's a great quiet time and there's very few distractions and it's a great time to do this. Spend time in the Word. Sometimes I'll put my earbuds in and I'll just listen to worship songs. We do this every day. And then Elijah would say this last one, discover God's purpose for your life. And I wish I had time, I don't, my time is, My time is out, but I wish I had time to tell you about this one because I think this is maybe the number one reason people fall into discouragement and defeat and depression is they don't realize there is a purpose for their lives. Your life is not an accident. I read a scripture this morning that said, God knew me even in the womb, he knew me, which by the way is why we value life. And in the womb, he gave me a purpose. You being in this church at this time, some of you even recently, listen, it's not by accident that you're here. God has a purpose for your life and he has a a mission to fulfill through your life. And the best thing you could ever do to help your mental well-being is to discover your gifts and passions and serve in his kingdom. That is just flat out truth. Now I'll just... This is the second area I'll just be vulnerable with you this morning. Um, several years ago, like I don't know, over 20 years ago, I went through about with depression for a long time. It affected my marriage. It affected my relationship with my kids. It affected my pastor in a church. And I did a really good job of trying to hide that from people. We had gone through a season of about two or three years with two very difficult staff situations that I had to deal with. And then because of it, I had to then step up and do some extra duties besides what I was normally doing and that went on. You can do stuff for a short period of time, but this went on for a long period of time and it put great stress on me and it wore me down and I wanted to just quit ministry and walk away from ministry. I went to my doctor one day actually for something different and he um, looked at me and he said, you doing okay? And I was like, well, yeah, I'm, I'm all right. And then he got a chair and I still remember him taking that little chair on wheels and he wheeled it right up and he got literally right in front of me in my face and he started asking me a series of questions. And by the time that was over and he had asked me all these questions, he looked into my eyes and he said, he said, Tim, you, you are in depression. And my response was, oh no, that can't be because i'm like mr positive i'm mr outgoing i'm Mr always looking you know ahead and and he said no 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 you're 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 in depression. He educated me and he talked about how stress affects something called serotonin in your brain. He educated me well, I learned a lot and and uh he recommended time away and I even took medication for a short period of time to help boost some levels. My church board graciously gave me a 7 week sabbatical and after the first week with Vicky and the kids they left and came back home and I stayed in a cabin up in northern michigan for several weeks and it was just me and god there was no one else Now, here's what I did. I got rest, I slept until I couldn't sleep anymore. I mean, I just slept. I got honest with God, I shared with him frustrations, things that I was angry about. Um, And every day I spent time in worship, especially in the mornings, sometimes I would go out on my boat and get in a cove and I would crank that music up as loudly as I could and I would just let that pour into my soul. And here, I, I remember this as if it were yesterday. I was sitting in the cabin and I had, uh, you remember back then you, had, you didn't have the earbuds and all that. you had a boom box, you know what I'm talking about, that big old thing. And I had that thing going and I was reading and I was reading through, <laughs> I started to say this is such a coincidence. I don't think it's a coincidence. I was reading through the Psalm that Dean opened up with this morning, Psalm 121. He didn't know I was gonna use it and I didn't know he was gonna use it. And I'm sitting down there on the front row going, oh my goodness. And I'm reading through Psalm 21 and about the time I'm reading through it, this song came on, which is based on Psalm 21 and I cranked the music up and here's what it said. I look up to the mountains, to the hills, I turn my eyes who will come and help me? Can I find a place to hide? Oh, but the one who made the heavens and the earth has heard my call. The Lord will come and help me. He will not let me fall. (laughs) So when you are in danger, when by trouble you are found and your very soul is threatened by the evil all around, in all of your ways and in your troubles, great and small, now and ever after, he will not let you fall. And I remember in that moment, there was the glory of God, that's the only way I know to describe it, that filled that room. And it washed over me from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. And the peace of God flooded my spirit and reinforced his calling on my life. And in that moment, he lifted me out of a dark cloud. Some of you know the story Of a man named Horatio Spafford. He was a lawyer in Chicago uh, in the late 1800s. He lost a boy when he was four. And uh, I don't know that there's any greater pain a person could feel. I've not experienced it, but I have been with people that have to lose and bury a child. Not long after losing his child, there was the great Um, Chicago fire that swept through that city and in that fire destroyed his law practice. He had a friend in England that called him and said, why don't you come over for a time of rest and refreshing? And so he booked passage for him and his whole family. And the day or so before Um, something came up with a business deal that because of all the stuff with the fire in this business. And so he sent his family on ahead and he said, I'll follow in a couple days. And in the dark of night on November 21st, 1874, another vessel in the fog struck the vessel his family was on and that night 226 people died, including all four of his daughters. His wife was found floating on uh, the top of the water and was saved and they took her back to England. And when she regained her strength, she had a telegram sent to him in Chicago. And when he received the telegram, it was just two words, saved alone. Overcome with grief, he boarded a ship to go and be with his wife in England. And he had instructed the captain, when you get to the spot where my daughters went down, would you, would you let me know? And about midnight, he heard a rapping on the door and he took pen and paper and he went to the bow of that ship. And there in the darkness of night, where he looked down on now the wet grave of his four daughters, he penned these words. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when life's great, when sorrows like sea billows roll, when life just stinks. Whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, not circumstantially, but it is well with my soul. Though what is happening on the outside is tearing me apart right now, and all I wanna do is just die. (laughs) I know that you are with me on the inside, and that gives me peace. And 150 years later, there are millions of people that find comfort in this song because one man made a choice that regardless of his circumstance, he would give God praise. Last verse, this day I call to heaven and earth as witness against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curses. Now choose life. Just make a choice to grab hold of eternal joy in whatever circumstance life throws your way because we don't know what today will bring or tomorrow will bring but we know that he is with us <laughs> and, that, and that whether our life is filled with peace like a river or whether sorrows like sea billows roll, we know that God has a purpose for our life and a calling on our life and that he will lift us out and that he will not let us fall. Would you stand with me this morning? Heads bowed and eyes closed just for a moment. Some of you don't know Christ. Some of you even watching online don't know Christ. And I'll just tell you right up front, that's one of the reasons you're depressed the way you are. You have no eternal hope, you have no eternal joy, you have no eternal source of strength when life is just caving in all around you. And the most important decision you will ever make to bring spiritual health, but also mental health is to make a decision to have Christ in your life as savior your personal savior. And it all begins by relationship. You invite him in. Christ, I need you in my life. Christ, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm sorry for my selfishness. I'm sorry for trying to just do life on my own. I want you to come into my life. I want you to have a relationship with me. Your sin will always keep you from closeness with him, always. That's why he sent Jesus to take your sin on him so that you, we could have closeness with God. And just with our heads bowed and eyes closed across this place, all of you watching this morning, do you want me to pray for you right now? If you wanna be close to Jesus, sin barrier gone, you want a relationship with him. Come on, I wanna pray with you this morning, but he says, if we confess, here's your confession time. Just around this place, just lift your hands up real quickly. Come on, I'm gonna pray for you. Yes, 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 yes. I see it back here, yes, thank you, thank you. Any others, I'm gonna pray for you. Thank you, bless your heart. Yes, thank you. Father, all across this place, in fact, online today, I believe there are many that are opening their hands right now. And they're just saying, Jesus, come into my life. Take control of my life. I I want to have a closeness with you. I want to have a relationship with you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Today, I ask that you would forgive me, but live in my life every day, God. I give you my life. Be Lord of my life. Everything in my life. Change me. Today I choose life, eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now, some of you have just a deep burden today. Maybe you're in discouragement. Maybe you're going through a time of depression like I was. Maybe you have a child, a son or a daughter, somebody you love, a friend, and your heart is heavy for what they're going through. Maybe you'd like to pray for them this morning. They're gonna sing this song and. Um, You're welcome to sing along with them, but I wanna invite you, if you'd like to pray, you can pray where you are. You're welcome to come and pray down here. You know, kind of give some space for social distance, but maybe you'd wanna stand down here just just to pray before him. Whatever posture you wanna take, just wanna invite you to come. They're gonna lead us in this old song that still has very relevant meaning for us today. It is well with my soul.